Hi, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a large range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I'm your host, Don Sutherland. With me, as always, my brother, Andrew. What's up, dirtbags? Remember, you can uh, you can email us any comments, concerns, whatever, uh, at theheavypod at gmail.com or DM us on Facebook, too. We're on Facebook. Andrew, what are we talking about today? Well, I'm finally going to do what I've been saying for like a million years to like continue an old podcast. So we're going to do Al Jorgensen and Ministry Part 2 today. Oh, finally. more Al Jorgensen. All yeah. right, cool. So let's finish her off. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I was trying to keep this chronological, but his book's sort of all over the place when I was going through the story. So some things might jump around a bit. It might not be perfectly chronological, but I'm going to okay. go through a bunch of stories. Some of them really messed up <laughs> and, uh, <Okay. laughs> and just kind of touch on the, the studio albums that he made after Psalm 69, which Psalm 69 was their biggest album. And that was the one we touched on last in the first episode. Yeah. We're going to continue from that point basically and uh, up cool. till, till now. Uh, so the, w- was this book the main source for the last one too? Yeah, I got like halfway through the book and then I realized there's just way too much material for more than or for okay. one episode. So I just like right. left the other half of the book till now and then went through the rest and then uh, and a few other things. Cool. Well, what's the name of his book again? Uh, the book is called Ministry, The Lost Gospels According to Al Jorgensen. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had to try and figure out where we left off in the first episode because it was quite a while ago, but it was right after Ministry released Psalm 69, which was their, their big album. Was super popular at the time in the early '90s, so th- okay. there's some really, really depraved stories from this period because Al was really, really deep into hard drugs for basically from that period till the early 2000s. So uh, we'll go through somewhat chronologically some of these stories and okay. uh, just just some facts and whatnot, and some interesting things. Uh, so after the huge success of Psalm 69, Ministry was asked to headline the second Lollapalooza tour in 1992, which is a Big tour, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, Lollapalooza inc- is still around. Inc- included bands like Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Soundgarden, uh, as well as others. And nice. then uh, after that, they went on the, the tour for the album for Psalm 69. Okay. So uh, Sire Records, who was a record company at the time, they weren't sufficiently supporting them on the tour financially. So th- I guess they were getting fined like $20,000 a night because they were going over the decibel level regulation all the time because okay. he didn't want to like hold back on the shows. So um, in response to not getting financial support, Al beat off into a Ziploc baggie and then sent it to their label rep, Howie Klein. And then Al called him and asked him if he got the package. Howie asked if it was some kind of drug and stated it smelled horrible. Al laughed at him and said, quote, no, it's my sperm. And if we don't get our tour support, every member of the band and crew will be sending you body fluids every week. And the uh, record label probably gave them their support back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the same guy that shit in the guitar case, right? Uh, no, that was Devin Townsend. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. There's too much. There's too many bodily fluids this, going into certain containers to keep up with so far. It's probably not the first and won't be the last time, I guess, in, in these stories. All right. Yeah. That's setting <laughs> the standard for what's depraved in these stories. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in, in 1993, uh, his other group, Revolting Cox, it was the band that he did with some some of his buddies for more for fun. They so were got shooting a the real penis theme going on with everything he does. Yeah. It's uh, fairly recurring. <laughs> Uh, for better or so for they, worse. They were shooting a video for their... They did a cover of Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy in 1983. And That's when they were song. shooting the video for it, they were a mile away from David Koresh's compound in Waco, Texas when it burned down and killed 76 people. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, there's like a story in the book. I didn't write. The, I didn't actually write this down, but there's a story in the book where Al drove by... There was like a cop barricade over there by the compound and Al was like speeding in his car and flipped his car over on the barricade and he was all drunk. And I guess the cops just like laughed at him. <laughs> like, uh, oh, the nineties! Ah, <laughs> uh, the nineties! Yeah, things have changed, uh, probably for the better in that case. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So this is another story around the same time. This is when uh, like Jorgensen was he moved to Texas. Uh, so Jorgensen and Paul Barker, who was basically is like the, the the other guy in ministry for a long time, like his yeah co-conspirator, I want to say his but his uh, partner. Paul, yeah, Paul Barker was like the bassist, and he did a lot of the you know day to day stuff in ministry. Uh, they okay. they were pre- they were presenting an award for it was the the best country music album at the 1993 Austin Music Awards because I guess Al was kind of being reclusive and management and Paul Barker wanted him to get into the spotlight a little bit get him out 
So he was smoking backstage, and a guy told him there was no smoking, and then gave him a wad of chew. So later he was chewing, and this guy came up to him after and like hit him in the back, telling him he had to get on stage, and he accidentally swallowed the chew. <laughs> he, oh, no. he goes on stage, and he's already starting to get sick. Yeah. And they're, uh, they're, at, they're at the stage, and he puked all over Barker's hands, the microphone, and himself. And he said the place just like reeked of vomit. And uh, Junior oh, Brown and Tanya Ray. Chew vomit, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, it's gross. It was like this big like long leaf crap too that he hadn't had before oh, it was no. and so junior brown and tanya ray who were supposed to get the award they wouldn't even come up on stage after he announced their names because they were so disgusted yeah i, I uh, understand he still announced the names after that <laughs> yeah 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 after he puked he announced the names i tried to find a clip of it but apparently i don't know i don't know if it exists but if i haven't been able to find it if anybody can find a clip of this i would love to know i'm sure <laughs> it got pre-internet scrubbed because that would be everywhere yeah, no doubt. There are clips of uh, stuff on YouTube that show all the musical performances from the show, but none of the stuff that I want to see because I don't really <laughs> not, care. None, of the, none of the puke stuff, yeah. Yeah. How is this? And this guy, is. did he ever go to jail at any point and skip an uh, Yeah, several several times. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Gives me a little more faith. Not that I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> like Not for a long, long period of time. I think at one point he went to jail for like a few months or something. That's, but, uh, not, that's a decent stretch. But for for some of the stuff that he did, I don't know if. It... <laughs> well, the, I'm still just a little shocked that like the Ziploc bag incident didn't lead to. Now we're gonna fire you. It went to yeah, we'll pay for it. Well, at that point they were still they were a big band, right? Like they were they were a big oh, money yeah, maker. A, this is back in their point, heyday, yeah. right? So. Yeah, there's a there's a horror story of um I don't know if this is true or not, but I imagine it's probably happened at some point, where like years and years and years ago. Uh, someone at the station, because I work adjacent to a news station in my office. This guy, I guess, was really disgruntled with them, but he like sent everyone a batch of cookies. Yeah. Like to the office, and everyone ate the cookies. And then he sent a, a list, a letter saying what he did to the cookies. And they didn't oh. tell me what it was, but it was like there was some stuff in it. <laughs> That's like the uh, the eclair scene in Van Wilder. <laughs> remember oh, that? Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> Oh, enough enough yeah. said we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. leave it needless that. to say we only accept <laughs> food gifts from like companies now yeah yeah not just people <laughs> yeah. yeah so um this is just a bunch of random stories from from his book but uh al was at the viper room the night river phoenix od'd there and died wow he was actually there playing with johnny depp's band johnny so, depp had a band <laughs> yeah i can't remember it was, it was called like uh, it had like a one-letter name or something. It was, Were yeah. Johnny Depp had a band back then. I have no idea, man. I assume not. Needless to say, the show you know fell apart at some point because stuff was going on. So we'll get to some music finally. So okay. uh, min- <laughs> after all that, Ministry released the album Filth Pig after Psalm 69, the follow-up to Psalm 69 in uh, January yep. 1996. So the album was basically a slowed down, like it was slowed down, dark and sludgy metal, pretty much. Uh, most of the ele- electronic elements have been taken out of the music compared to the old stuff. Right, because which... this is the band that, like, they evolved really kind of aggressively. Like, their early stuff was super poppy, right? Well, their early stuff was purely electronic. Yeah. And then uh, they started working some guitars into there and and, and then uh, turned into a bit industrial, where it was metal guitars with electronic music as well, right? And electronic elements right, and, and uh, sampling and whatnot. It's coming back to me. So Filth Pig, yeah, I know it's been a while since we talked about Ministry. So Filth Pig, they, they took out a lot of the electronic stuff and it wasn't so much industrial anymore. So I, and I have to admit, when this came out, it was so much of a departure from Psalm 69, which I was really into. And and it was intentional that it was because Al did not want to do Psalm 69 again. He wanted to do something totally different at the time. Um, it, it kind of turned me off Ministry for a while because I it wasn't what I was looking for. And I I just right. uh, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to move on to something else basically at the time. Uh, and Jorgensen stated that he was really deep into heroin and depressed when he made that album, and he can't even listen to it anymore. Oh, okay, so it's not it's not a good album. Uh, I don't particularly like it much, to be honest. Okay. It's, it's not terrible, but it's not uh, it's not great. Yeah, from my, in my opinion, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is one of the stories that I will not repeat, or uh, I won't. Say, but let's just say, in the book, there's a story, and it involves a groupie and a colostomy bag. And uh, that's all uh, I'm gonna. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah, we're not gonna I'm, go any further than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm yeah. Good. If anybody's interested, they can read the book. <laughs> yeah, that's that's okay. We can skip that one. Yeah, like I mean, I've got, I can go over the line, but not not that far. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, towards the end of the tour for Filth Pig 
And the tour name was actually pretty unreal. It was called Vink Tour, which is <laughs> an amazing tour name. Uh, Al said he was, well, this is a quote. I was too depressed and strung out to cause much trouble, except for the time I was caught on camera fucking a rotisserie chicken in our dressing room as a joke. Oh, yeah, that time, right? <laughs> except for except for that little thing, you know. Except for the time, yeah. I just thought oh, that was God. funny. Oh, my <laughs> this God. Guy was, this guy was crazy. Seriously. He lived with a guy named, uh, you know who Tim Leary is? Timothy Leary? The the comedian? No, he was like uh, he was like the... Not Dennis Leary. He was like the hallucinogenic drug guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Timothy Leary. Well, yeah, vaguely, so, vaguely. So he, you probably heard of him anyway. So yeah. some of the older, any any older listeners would probably have a better idea who he was because he passed away in the 90s. But uh, he, he lived with Tim Leary for a couple of years around this time. And Leary used to use him as a guinea pig to test all sorts of hallucinogen hallucinogenic drugs on him how much do you think he had to spend on a maid service just uh, just for the various places that al jorgensen well, put his things i think it was a little different because he was like he was doing like acid and stuff like that right not not that's true heroin and crack like so yeah. it's probably a bit of a different effect right or maybe a vastly different effect because he would he would it, give would, him the it would be it would be much different yes <laughs> he would like give he would give him the hallucinogenic drugs like the acid or whatever and he would take notes and his reaction and stuff right like it was it was like a scientific study almost so so there you go uh acid is not a shitting drug apparently not mm. <laughs> uh the ministry album after filth pig was called dark side of the spoon so obviously a <laughs> obviously a play on dark side of the moon they're so um, stupid sphinx tour and and that <laughs> they're so dumb <laughs> oh man I, I love that name of the, the tour names. It's so good. It's good, but so stupid. Yeah. So oh, some it, of the, yeah. a lot of his album names are dumb, but they're like, they're admittedly kind of dumb. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Al said this was the lowest point he ever reached. If you can believe that. So <laughs> his, at, the, at this time, his friend, William Burroughs had just died. Tim Leary had, had died. And this guy named William Tucker who had played guitar on a mind is a terrible thing to taste had just committed suicide by cutting his own throat. Oh, so, God. I was in a pretty dark place, and I mean, obviously, you look for crutches when you're in a dark place, yeah. so doing a lot of drugs and stuff. So, Dark Side of the Spoon is a pretty strange album, largely about heroin addiction, uh, but it was back to a more industrial style. Oh, I shouldn't uh, be listening. I should. I should not be laughing at Dark Side of the Spoon. I just realized. I get. Why? I get it now. The spoon for heroin. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's well, it took me a while. To, it took me a while to get that too, actually. I was like, haha, pun, and then you're like, three people died close to him. Ah, that's not fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's... You don't necessarily have to relate the deaths of his friends directly to the title of the album, but it was just he was just really depressed when that came, yeah. around when that came yeah. out because of those his friends passed away and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of different temples going on in the album, and even there's a bunch of saxophone in there in some spots. Ooh, so okay. they actually had a saxophone player on tour with him. Saxophone uh, and metal. That's, a, that's well, it, a combo. Yeah, I was. I mean, it's industrial, so a lot of electronic music, is, um, you know, heavier guitars, and, right. and some saxophone and some some jazz stylings in there a little bit too. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a strange album, I got to say. So I, <laughs> I, I like it marginally better than Filth Pig, but it takes a while to get into. Uh, the song on it called there's a song on it called Bad Blood, which sounds more like a typical Ministry song than the rest of the songs on the album. Uh, but right. that's not too surprising because he admittedly had had that song kicking around for years in one form or another from even back in the 80s. Oh, so not so, new. Okay. Yeah, like I mean, they just finalized it and put it on an album. So I have a note here, which is kind of redundant, but it's not surprisingly at all, Al was doing a lot of drugs at this point. <laughs> okay, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, feel that, I feel that note was completely unnecessary, but I had to read it just because it's so redundant. There might have been, there might have been a break before that and then you came back to the research. I'm like, hmm, I should make note of this. Yeah, maybe I got some stuff mixed up here. I don't know. So another thing that happened around this time, he had to get one of his toes cut off. He'd accidentally thrown a dirty needle. Like he used to break the needles off his syringes, like for safety reasons or I don't know, whatever, and separate them and then like throw the needles away and then throw the syringe away separately. But he broke off the needle off a syringe and it fell into his boot. And then he put his, ended up putting his foot in and stabbed his toe. And after a couple of weeks, it ended up turning black and gangrenous and had to be amputated. Oh, that's awful. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even laughing at that. That's just like, that's, that's just terrible. Yeah, it's uh, pretty nasty. So here's a little pop culture reference from, I guess this would be like the late 90s. So Ministry was in, this, in the Spielberg movie AI. Did you ever watch AI? 
Ah, uh, no, I haven't seen AI. I never watched. Oh, that's a great movie. No. So AI was originally supposed to be produced by Stanley Kubrick, and he had contacted uh, Al about Ministry being in it, and mm-hmm. uh, but Kubrick ended up passing away before the movie was made. But uh, the director Steven Spielberg still got Ministry to come in for the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Al said he got along well with Spielberg, and Spielberg would like bounce ideas off him and stuff. But initially, when they were first when they first met, they were all like geared up, ready to go into their scene. He he confronted Spielberg, and he's like. Oh, I thought the movie was supposed to be a porno called Anal Intruder. Uh, well, we're we're leaving, <laughs> and like he was pretending to be upset that it wasn't a porno, <laughs> and they were just gonna oh, leave. So does he does he know what Spielberg's reaction was, or uh, I guess didn't really know how to react at first, but then they ended up they ended up having a pretty good relationship, and, and Spielberg would keep coming up to him with uh, different names that AI stood for, but they were all <laughs> Jurgensen said they were all like, not very funny, but it was kind of an ongoing joke between the two of them. But if Spielberg gives you a, a joke, you laugh at it, whether it's funny or not. Uh, you know what? J- Jorgensen doesn't pander to anybody, man. <laughs> if you if you know True. anything about this guy. Yeah, uh, he, no, that, that makes joke. sense at this point. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't kiss anyone's ass. So another thing from the movie AI, which obviously you haven't seen, so you won't really have any input in this, but he also thought it was weird that the, uh, the effects guy named Stan Winston and the composer John Williams always referred to themselves in third person. John Williams refers to himself in the third person? Apparently, the okay. <laughs> you know, if someone's allowed to do it, maybe John Williams is. I, I guess he's earned the right. I mean, Star Wars theme, right? Like that's still super weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in his book, he says that he was on the verge of killing himself, but he happened to call up an old revolting Cox groupie named Angie, who convinced him to come stay with her in New York and help him clean up. And he ended up marrying her, and she managed all things ministry until they divorced in 2014. Oh, that's cool. Good for oh, them. but if you if you Not read the, the book. So, yeah, I mean, the book was written just before they got divorced. So mm-hmm. when they talk about a lot of the stuff, they were still together. But in the book, yeah. they so he'll tell some stories and then they'll they'll do an interview with, uh, they did a little interview with his wife at the time, Angie, and then also uh, Mikey, Mike Skatia, mm-hmm. the guitarist. So every time they'll tell the stories, it's always, it's, it's kind of like Motley Crue, The Dirt, when they would tell a story and it would be the same story, but slightly different. <laughs> like, you know okay. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of funny to hear like one of them tell he he'll tell a story and then somebody who, else who was there will tell the same story but things happened a little bit differently. Yeah. So that that was one of those stories where when Angie told the story, it wasn't exactly how Al told it. Basically. Yeah, it happened differently. Yeah. All right. So back to music. So this is gonna kind of hard to say, but the album after Dark Side of the Spoon was called. Anamosatomina. It's it's a palindrome, so it reads the same backwards and forwards, right? Okay. <laughs> but uh, it was really. I'm, I'm gonna have to say it really slow every time I say it. But it was released on February seventeenth, two thousand three, and it is Al's least favorite album after With Sympathy. And With Sympathy, he often refers to that album as an abortion, so he really doesn't like that album. <laughs> okay. But uh, <laughs> I actually like this album uh, more than the two before it. I have a feeling, I mean, this is the last album that Paul Barker was involved in, and Paul Barker was in the band for a long time, and there was, like, a lot of bad blood between Al and Paul Barker. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I sometimes I get the feeling that that might have something to do with why he doesn't like this album, because it was the last one that he did with Barker, and it was right. kind of a bad bad time, right? So mm-hmm. so uh, Mike Skatia left the band for a time, but came back on tour for this album after they made it. Right. Um, so, like I was talking about with Paul Barker, Al was getting fed up with him, and Barker ended up quitting after Angie Jurgensen's wife confronted him about some missing money okay. over over a period of years. Mm-hmm. So they, I don't. They, 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 yeah, they never really specify exactly what was found and what money was missing, but apparently she found some stuff and he didn't really deny it. He just quit. So hmm. uh, a quote from Mike when I like say Mike Mike Skacia, the guitarist. He. Uh, and a quote in the book, he said, I'll tour in a van, I don't care, I want to die on stage, which is part of one of his lines. Wow. And ironically, he ended up dying on stage playing guitar at uh, Rigor Mortis, the oh. singer's birthday uh, <laughs> in, in 2012. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, man, what did just, he die like, of, do you know? Uh, like heart failure. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was their singer's 50th birthday celebration. He was playing on stage and he like pretty much died on stage. And uh, yeah, like as I was reading that book, I I read that quote. I'm like, that's uh, pretty ironic, like in yeah. a morbid way. I got some other stories in here. 
some of them are better than others. Some of them are disgusting. <laughs> but uh, at one point when Limp Bizkit, uh, at one point when Limp Bizkit was pretty big still, Fred Durst wanted to work with Al so we could show Fred how to make his vocals sound like Al's on the song Thieves. Right. So, and at that time, Al really needed money because he had to get all of his teeth redone because his teeth were just all falling out and he had to get like new teeth screwed in. So he, okay. And he, they, I guess they were, him and his wife were pr- pretty broke. They were living in LA and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so he needed the money. So he asked for, his his request was like, yeah, I'll do it, but I want $10,000 in cash all in 20s. So <laughs> he, we went to the studio with Durst and like got his briefcase full of cash. And uh, he just like fucked with the guy. Like he'd make him, so he, like Durst would go into the studio and sing. He'd be like, oh, that's no, not right. And he'd be like, okay, put my cowboy hat on. He'd like go in and put the, with the cowboy hat on. He's like, ah, that's not right. Okay, you gotta, you gotta get naked. You gotta get like get your uh, your real your Al Jorgensen going. <laughs> you know, like he, he like got him in there with the fucking stupid cowboy hat I, naked, <laughs> and and ended up like Durst just got like he just humiliated him, right? Yeah. And Durst ended up like taking off, and then uh, according to Al, he like they were gonna just leave whatever. He's like, ah, let's finish the tracks, and he put a bunch of like stupid slide guitar on all the tracks, and they never ended up using like any of the music. <laughs> I I respect that like he's broke. He really needs money. He's doing this for the money, and he just can't help himself. <laughs> he just made a fool of Fred Durst too, which is hilarious. Yeah. And he got paid for it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So by 2004, Jurgensen was off hard drugs, and the Ministry started releasing albums with um, much more political messages in them. Starting with the first of the uh, what I would call the Bush trilogy. So basically, three albums that he made in a row, all bashing George W. Bush. So the okay. uh, the first one was called Houses of the Mole, which is a play on Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> right. This guy loves uh, puns. Yeah, he does. Definitely. I I missed this one at the time because I, I hadn't bought an album for a while after Filth Pig. But the album that they put out, so the, the next ministry album that I personally bought was called Rio Grande Blood, which was the second Bush album that he made, which is actually a phenomenal album, which got right. me back into ministry again after all those years. Uh, and then the third one was called The Last Sucker. So they're okay. all, all three of these albums are excellent industrial thrash style albums, like faster, more aggressive, uh, definitely back a lot closer to my favorite material from Psalm 69, but mm-hmm. a lot more guitar driven with uh, a lot of, okay. like I said, like thrash style guitars. Yep. Uh, they use a lot of samples from George W. Bush speeches in the album and he like twists them all around to make them sound a certain way. It's pretty interesting. Inter- yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, he was not a big fan of George W. Bush. Yeah, yeah. To make three albums, and I'm looking at it, and the the last one came out in 2007. So like, he's almost out of office. It's like I gotta keep writing about this guy. Oh yeah, he just kept it going. So, on the tour for Real Grande Blood, the tour was called. I, I'm sorry, I probably like these tour names way more than I should. But this, this <laughs> tour was called the the Master Bay Tour. Okay. <laughs> it's all just like. It's like things that would be in a South Park episode. <laughs> That's all I can oh, think man. of. It's so stupid. They must have just been like laughing their asses off coming up with this stuff, though, because it's just so dumb, but so funny. Right. So uh, Joey Jordison from Slipknot actually played the drums for Ministry for that tour. Oh, nice. That's cool. Uh, well, he has a lot of features. Joey Jordison? Or, no, or uh, George, uh, Al Jorgensen. Yeah, I mean, if you were to look at the list of musicians that he's worked with, there's, there's a, yeah. I, I don't even mention a lot of the ones that he worked with. He worked with a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Which so, is I mean, a, a big one because, from my understanding, Joey Jordison is kind of a tough person to to work with. So yeah, well, I mean, he, like, funny you say that. <laughs> oh, perfect. So, There's a story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Joey Jordison almost left after he and Tommy Victor got in a fight about cocaine, which resulted in mm-hmm. Jordison throwing an orange at Tommy Victor, and then uh, Victor proceeded to smack him around and mess up his face pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, Al figured it was fine since he wore a mask on stage usually, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> That's how he. We... <laughs> Joey Jordison, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys have lost a lot of. Well, they, yeah, they ride hard. Like Slipknot, especially those guys, uh, a band of more. Yeah, I, I'm more well versed in, and uh, yeah, him and uh, Paul Gray or whatever it was. Like, it's it's not really a surprise that it got to them. Luckily, they wear masks, so you can just kind of put anyone else in there who can play the. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So by the third. Bush album, The Last Sucker. Jorgensen admittedly started to feel sorry for Bush more than he hated him. And uh, this is a quote uh, that was kind of funny. He imagined Cheney holding high power meetings and Bush playing with crayons and Tonka trucks. He's probably not that far off from the truth. <laughs> when he said, I'm like, that's exactly what I would have thought too. <laughs> that's totally what it was. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the 
biggest school of thought is that yeah, yeah Cheney was doing most of it. <laughs> so he uh, Jorgensen ended ministry again in 2008. He'd previously uh, ended it for a, a period of years before, okay. uh, but came back. But he came back with an album called Relapse in 2012. Right. It's a it's a pretty heavy, fast album. Not as much as the previous three necessarily, but I still like it. And it's got a great cover of a song called United Forces that was by S.O.D. Um, they released an album called From Beer to Eternity in 2013. And Mike Scatia, okay. he appears on this album posthumously because he passed away in 2012, but a lot of the material on it had already been recorded with him. Right. So the tempo of this, al- tempo of this album is quite a bit slower than the last four. And I honestly personally prefer the energy and the the thrash style of guitars and the the speed of the other albums but there are some like okay songs in it but some of the solos that mike scatia plays in it are incredible okay i'll I'll give it that (laughs) (laughs) after jorgensen said in interviews that ministry wouldn't continue with uh without mike scatia after his death uh, he released an album called americant like kkk can't and i mean obviously al is very he's very left wing he's not like Anything, he, this is all related to, you know, speaking out against racial equality, inequality, and stuff yeah. like that, right? And, uh, so it's it's a pretty decent album, very heavy on samples and electronic sounds. Thematically, it's a lot of focus uh, actually hitting on Donald Trump hmm. and uh, touching, like I said, on racial inequality in the U.S. Whatnot. Yeah, I guess it would have been 2018. Um, yeah. Well, and I actually, uh, I went to see Ministry for my first time touring for that album. And uh, and he didn't disappoint. He put on an awesome show, and I remember a lot of Trump stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's that makes sense. I mean, if he's protesting Bush, he's probably ripping his his hair out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's why <laughs> could be why he was so quiet through fairly quiet through the uh, Obama administration because it right. was closer to his political leanings. And then as soon as you got Trump in there, he's back on his horse. Yeah, stuff. Ah, he's consistent. Well, and like I said, he's 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 intelligent. Like his his opinions are, he thinks he thinks out his opinions. He doesn't just yell things. I mean, he's he does not just knee jerk stuff. Yeah. But when you see him interviewed and he talks about things that he feels strongly about, he's very well spoken right. and he he he's thought things through. But so yeah, I went to see that show and uh, Burton C Bell from Fear Factory. He uh, was on stage for with Ministry for almost that whole show, which is really cool. Do you know who Burton oh, C sweet. Bell is? No. <laughs> he is the uh, vocalist from Fear Factory. Oh yeah, the band. I also don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I hadn't seen him. So this is, I guess, this would have been 2018. I hadn't seen Fear Factory since Ozfest '99. So that was the last How? time I saw him live. So that was pretty cool. Like, were you 20 like years thir- later? You're like 13? No, you would have been uh, 17. 17. Yeah. Never mind. I'm forgetting when I was born. So on to we're, we're almost wrapped up here. He put out an album called Moral Hygiene this year. And uh, personally, I actually enjoyed this album more than the last one. Mm-hmm. And um, it's back to a little more typical industrial style back from, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. from, from what I've heard. Okay, so that's, that's pretty much it for the, the main part of the podcast. So okay. I just wanted to go over just a quick thing. Ministry was nominated for six Grammy Awards over the course of all the albums they put out. Oh, and okay. uh, the six awards that they were nominated for, this is in the best metal performance category. In uh, 1992, they were nominated for NWO, the song off of Psalm 69. In 1999, they were nominated for Bad Blood, which was that song I was talking about off Dark Side of the Spoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2005, they were nominated for a song called The Great Satan. 2006, a song called Lies, Lies, Lies. 2008, uh, a song called Under My Thumb, which I'm not sure if that's a cover of the Rolling Stones version. (laughs) I'd have to listen to it. Uh (laughs) In 2009, for Senior Peligro, which is a song off Rio Grande Blood. So they get recognized quite a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, he's super respected in, in a lot of circles in the like, rock and metal worlds. He, he's been asked to do a lot of producing and whatnot, too. He's, he's really skilled in the studio as mm-hmm. well. So even when he's not making albums, he's he's always working on something. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so let's uh, hit up the workout playlist after that extremely long <laughs> podcast segment. That wasn't too bad, I don't think. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> workout playlist. Yeah, let's get into it. I ain't got time to bleed. This is the chopper! Let's put a smile on that face. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. All right, the first song we're going to do 
is one of the ones I just mentioned, Bad Blood. But I'm going to okay. use the, for the workout playlist, I'm going to use the original mix. It was The original mix was actually released on, as a single. So there's uh, the the version that was released in Dark Side of the Spoon is a uh, slightly different mix, but they're, they're pretty similar. Okay, but is it the one with the big fat person on it? That's the single? It, it is, yeah. <laughs> okay, I found uh, the this, correct one. And this song was actually featured on the Matrix soundtrack back in the day from the first movie. Oh, okay, I'll probably recognize it then. Yeah, you might have heard it before then. Uh, and it, it, it got closer to a pre-Filth Pig industrial style, um, just Ooh. after Filth Pig, which is probably why I like it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. got an energetic beat with uh, some electronic elements and a heavy guitar riff that carries the song. All right, yeah, it's Bad Blood Ministry, the single version. I was trying to f- figure out where in the Matrix that song was from, and I, I'm not sure. It must be in that weird like uh, club scene where they're playing like a they're playing a Dragula uh, remix. I think it is also. It must be in there too. Is Dragula that old? Holy crap! Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Matrix is 99. This made me feel super, super old. Oh, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> not the part where you were going to concerts in 1999. That didn't make you feel old. Yeah, now I feel even older. <laughs> uh, good song though I like it alright uh, on to number two the yeah. song is called No W Redux it's the first song off of the first Bush album he did the Houses of the Moly album right uh, it, it's immediately it goes into an intro riff and then speeds up into a faster uh, thrash song kind of trashing Bush and his cohorts with some uh, Bush vocal samples thrown in it's, okay, uh, it's cool. a pretty like quick fast song uh it's a great intro song for an album mm-hmm. and uh and a shift into politically charged themes uh, compared to what he used to write about and yep. there's also a pretty ripping solo in the song too all right no w redux i'm excited to hear the bush samples and how they work the FBI, the CIA, we're on the hunt we're fighting people we're fighting people one person at a time Yeah, now, okay, now I'm remembering the style a little more. Like, they're very, very building. The bridge around, like, 110 is pretty sick, though. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, no, I really like it. I think I like Bad Blood more, but still good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the style you're looking for. Bad Blood's definitely more of an industrial-style song, whereas pretty much all the songs off those Bush albums are mostly metal. You know, yeah. they're very, very guitar-heavy. Once in a while, a little trumpet beat, though, which I respect. Never, uh, never a bad time for a little bit of what do you call that brass instrument? Brass is the, that's the correct term. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Gonna move on to number three. A song called another song off that House of the Mole album. A song called Warp City. It's uh, another okay. fast. Okay, well, pretty much every song off these albums is fast, but uh, okay. it's uh, fast and it sounds a bit punk. Uh, Warp right. City. It all. It almost sounds like a fun song if, if the lyrics weren't telling a story about substance abuse, psychosis, and murder. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, check it out. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's try it out Warp City. I got a hole in my head. Can't make the bleeding stop. I think I'll go back to bed. And wait around for the cops. That's Warp City. An interesting choice at the beginning. Do you know who that is? <laughs> the guy talking? No. You don't know what the sample is? Uh, past that, good song. Oh, you were, <laughs> I started, you were actually asking me. Oh. Yeah, I was actually asking you. I don't know who it is. <laughs> no, I, I, didn't, I didn't look into it too deep. <laughs> I, I got like 30 seconds in and I was like, all right, I need to get to the song. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of songs that 
take a while to, to start up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good once it once it starts. Uh, so, song number four is the title track off Rio Grande Blood. Obviously, titled Rio Grande Blood. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, there's liberal <laughs> use of snippets of George W. Bush speeches, purposely twisted to make him sound like a tyrant. You know, fighting okay. wars in the <laughs> Middle East for oil and greed. Okay. Uh, great, great fast guitar riff and drumming with some electronic beats and noise mixed in and another frenetic Skacia solo. That guy can freaking... Did you, did you write those words yourself? <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but man, that guy, that Skacia, that guy could, he could shred, man. So... Okay. Yeah, yeah it's evident. All right. Uh, Real Grande Blood. I'd say the heaviest song so far, and I was trying not to crack up too, <laughs> too hard at the end of the uh, the Bush sample where he just edits it to him saying, "I am evil." <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny how he, he twists the words around. Eh? <laughs> no, but it works though. All I can say is Jorgensen's mixing skills are legendary. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five, Senior yeah. Peligro, another song off Rio Grande Blood. Uh, lyrically, the song seems like it's a warning to Venezuela that Bush is coming for their oil. Okay. Similarly, similarly clo- like close in theme to the first one. Musically, it's another high-velocity thrasher. Uh, and there's some sampled speech in Spanish near the end. Uh, I'm not sure what they're saying. But... Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, I won't know either. All right. Senior Peligro. Yeah, I can't translate the Spanish either. Uh, but they do have, like, each song kind of has a similar way where he builds on top of it. And I feel like this is something that I talked about last time, too. It, like, works. It somehow stays stays fresh, but it's, like, a similar way of building up each song. It's good. Yeah, but it, 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 you can still enjoy each song on, on its own, yeah. even though, the, yeah, like I said, there's some similar structure or whatever. A- absolutely, yeah. He, he seems to like to, like, build up with drums and then one, and then guitar and then whatever keep going yeah all right number six yeah number six song off the last sucker called let's go and i i'm pretty sure i picked the first song off all three of those albums because the first song on each of those albums is amazing you have but, uh, you have picked the first song yeah i can yeah, so, song called let's go uh jorgensen's vocals are really distorted in this one um which it actually fits the song really well uh and, and this album he's really ramping up his trashing of the bush administration lyrically and okay. some more great solos this time but uh in this case it would be tommy victor and not mike skatia playing guitar right okay different guitarist Let's see what the difference is like let's go ministry He's got a really interesting way of of sampling these two because it's like there's there's certain like beats that he hits with like a bit of a some sort of audio sample you can't even completely tell what it is but it fits really well. Yeah, he's got a, a very interesting style and it again this one builds up the same way. Yeah, like, it, like I said, every the first song on all three of those albums is, is kind of like that. It just builds up and just like he just has a, a way of making these songs just kind of kick off the album. Yeah aggressively and energetically you know and just to get you right into it it's very it's i don't know i don't know if i can describe it a different way than interesting <laughs> like it sounds good and i don't know what he's doing but it works yeah, he does most of that stuff himself right like i think there's only 
There was one album before that he wasn't able to do because he was so messed up on drugs. So mm-hmm. somebody else had to do some of the, the studio work. But for the most yeah. part, he does like all his own like sound engineering and yeah, producing that, and all that crap, right? That's, uh, that makes sense with the, the consistency like throughout it. All right, song seven. Yep. Song called No Glory. Uh, in my mind, this is a hidden thrash gem in the middle of the album, The Last Sucker. You got machine gun riffs, some electronic elements around an almost oddly melodic chorus. Not really, but you know what I'm talking about. And okay. uh, <laughs> some more politically motivated vocal samples as well. All right. Well, I mean, it's still it's still in the Bush trilogy, so it has to be. Yeah. Oh, and another great solo, too. Oh, There's okay. Good. A lot of good solos in the song. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, just uh, a little throwback to what I was talking about earlier with uh, most of these things being penis-themed. There's a song in this album just called The Dick Song. Oh, so yeah. So I'm picking up on something that's present. It's it's not just me tuning into something that's not there. At this point, he just finally gave in and just like, I'm just going to write The Dick Song. He just said <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, no glory. Ministry. Oddly melodic, but not really, is a good way to, to describe it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought you like that. <laughs> it's like the only way to describe it. Uh, the guitar I find is is kind of the best in that one than than the other songs. Not that they're not bad, but this one has more to it. I like it. Yeah, I really I really like the guitar in that song actually as well. Yeah, the opening riff is very good. All right, number eight, it's a song called Ghoul Digger. It's off their album Relapse. It's also the first song on that album. So we were talking about their in, the the intros to the songs. So yeah. this one, he like goes full balls out, man. Like the intro is literally two minutes long. But, okay. <laughs> but uh, it, it's worth the wait, but I would probably, you know, we'll, we'll cut that time out that you're listening to it or maybe just skip, <laughs> you know, skip like yeah. a minute and a half to a minute 45 in and start the song. Yeah, we'll this is a seven later. and a half minute song. <laughs> yeah, this is still pretty much thrash metal stylistically, but uh, at this point he's moved on from W. Bush bashing. And yeah. it seems like, to me, it seems like it's a message to the parasitic media that thrive on celebrity death. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to let them know that he's still alive and making angry, cynical music. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, ghoul, ghoul Diggers, actually, if I found the right song. Uh, damn typo. That's what I get for rushing. <laughs> ghoul, ghoul Diggers, Ministry. That that's just a good metal song, <laughs> honestly. The sample, like, although it's yeah, it's a little long, like at the start. Um, yeah. it's a good theme. Like he builds around it well. Yeah, it's a it's a really good song. Mm. I liked it. And also true. And also something that like a lot of artists are mad about because um, I know I know you don't love this band, but uh, Twenty One Pilots has a song called Neon Gravestones. That's about the exact same thing, basically. It's like, well, if you die, they'll just glorify you beyond your beyond your status like they want you to die because then you'll be yeah. this great figure well you're more profitable to them if you die sometimes yeah it's, if you're some pretty, sort of like musical martyr yeah pretty sick yeah yeah all right song number nine this is a bit oh. of a long workout playlist just so you know okay well um, how many more songs are there uh three okay <laughs> All right, song number nine. It's called Perfect Storm. It's from the album From Beer to Eternity. So From Beer to Eternity is not my favorite album of theirs, but it's a change of pace after the last four albums that were pretty much thrashed with industrial electronic elements thrown in there. Right. Uh, this album's slowed down significantly from that. And I, like, I personally, my, for my taste, I prefer the faster, more aggressive thrash style stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, Perfect Storm is probably my favorite song on this album. And although it's it's a pretty slow to mid range, tempo wise for a song, it's uh it's got a pretty good riff and it's got a really good solo at the end. Cool. The lyrics are a little bit 
kind of vague, but they seem to me to be about how humans are destroying our world and uh, will basically reap what we sow. Which I, like, okay, those are, those I mean are my that words. sounds on brand. Okay, uh, cool. perfect storm. Oh, yeah, the solo at the end is wild. Uh, I think also you're right about what the song's about. <laughs> it sounds like that, eh? Like, yes. <laughs> I, not, I would yeah. concur with you on that one. Yeah, I guess at least he's moved on from, you know, George W. Yeah, he finds different different soapboxes. Yeah. All right, number 10. song yep. called We're, We're Tired of It is from his album Americant, the one that I actually went to the show for. Right. So this is one of my favorite tracks off that album, probably because it's fairly fast and thrashy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the songs in this album seem to be anti-Trump, which uh, he definitely confirmed in the live show. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, so the the title just says it all, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're we're tired of it. The uh, the record scratches are an interesting choice. <laughs> it's like they, uh, they, I, I was getting into it, and then all of a sudden it went out. Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to like to describe what that sound was. Yeah, it's record scratching, right? It's a record so, scratch. Yeah, yeah like, he throws it away like, in the song too. I'm just thinking of like a, as soon as I heard that, I pictured a DJ like. You know, yeah, on a but, it's weird because like besides that, it's almost like straight death metal. Like it's so heavy. It's super heavy, but then (laughs) record scratches. It definitely gives it a new dimension, you know. Having that, I don't know. It's it's kind of kind of. It's all very unique. Yeah. Last song. Okay. (laughs) I swear to God, the last song. It's called called Alert Level, and I'll I'll use the uh, the the first song on the new album is called Alert Level. This is the the single that was released last year, and so it's it's Alert Level uh, Quarantine Mix. It's called. Okay. it, It ended up being. The opening track to their, like I said, their, their new album, but not that mix. Uh, right. But it actually really brings back the classic ministry sound again. More more industrial with the electronic music and samples complemented by the guitars and drums and not overpowered by them. Right. So it's a great track. Well, you know, a bit morbid. If you, once you listen to it, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another song to check out off uh, Moral Hygiene is a cool cover that they did of a Stooges song called Search and Destroy. Oh, cool. Um all right, alert level, the quarantine mix. This is There's no one to but ourselves. A lot more bass in that one. Which I like. I like the bass drives it. That's different from the other yeah, ones. I like it. Pretty bass heavy. But that, that's why, uh, to me, it sounded a lot closer to stuff from like the late '80s, early '90s ministry stuff. <laughs> I've uh, I've been told that the video is very similar to to the Ring movie. So don't watch it if you're easily frightened of that. I like the Ring actually. Good show. I uh, I still been mean this is a completely sidetrack from it, uh, but um, I've still been meaning to watch like the Japanese version of it because I've been told that it's it's the best one. Probably terrifying. Eh? Probably, yeah. All right, yeah, well, but I do, I do like that song. That might be one of my favorites of the list so far. I really like it. Yeah, the, the new album's actually pretty solid. You might actually mm-hmm. you might enjoy the new album. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it for the workout playlist. I, there's a ton, they oh. actually, honestly, there's a ton of songs I would love to put on here. And also from his side projects. So, you know, Revolting Cox. Uh, they did a cover for... Ah, oh, them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, Revco. They did, a, <laughs> they did a song for the Black Sabbath tribute back in the... Probably the '90s, I guess, mid '90s. Uh, oh, but cool. he put a group together called uh, One Thousand Homo DJs, and they, uh, like yep. Trent, 
Trent Reznor's in there. They did a they did a cover of Supernaut by Black Sabbath. Oh, and, cool. uh, it's it's a phenomenal cover. So I, I'm, I'm gonna have to put together a supplemental playlist and throw a bunch of those songs on there too. Sounds good. Um, I mean, if anything Trent Reznor is involved with, I'm good with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess that's like a very recent release. So is there any other news? I guess that's the news. He <laughs> put in an album this year. Yeah, well, the, the new album's out right now, and then uh, yeah. called Moral Hygiene. And right. um, apparently he was, this might have just been a joke, but he said he was originally going to call the album Truth Decay. But then I guess uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, what's his name? Um, Barack Obama used that phrase somewhere so he couldn't use it. Oh, did he? I mean, Moral Hygiene is still pretty funny. And I'm, it's it just good. clicking with me now that it's a it's a mouth pun. <laughs> So it looks like Ministry will be touring next year in the U.S. There's a bunch of dates posted. I don't oh, see any sweet. Canadian dates yet, but that might just be because of COVID. So hopefully, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see them come to Calgary again. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it'll get there. I'm sure. Just on a on an unrelated to Ministry side note, uh, I've been chatting a bit with a guy named uh, Juni, who's a singer of a band called Rearmed from Finland. I I showed you the, the, some messages that we. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We shared whatever, and uh, they recently released a couple of singles. So one was for a song called Mono Eyes, which I put up a Spotify link to on our Facebook page. And they just released an acoustic version of a song of theirs called Beyond the Horizon, and it's featuring a guest vocal by a singer named Mirva Saviniemi. If I'm saying it right, nice try. You did so, it. You attempted. Yeah, not bad. Eh? If you're looking for something more <laughs> mellow with some nice vocal harmonies and some great acoustic guitar work, uh, check it out. I'll throw up a link oh, for sweet. that. Oh, what's the too. what's the band again? Uh, Rearmed. Rearmed. All right. And I know I've been slacking a lot on putting stuff up for the show, so I still have to put some <laughs> links up from our last show, and then I will also put up stuff from this show, and I will make sure I have time this weekend to do that. We'll, we'll get there. We're Canadian, and it's hockey season, so when stuff yeah. happens. Exactly, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, so if that's everything, uh, remember the playlist we just went over? It's on Spotify. We put the link in the bio and everything updated every week with these new songs, so uh, make sure to check it out. And that is going to do it for this episode of The Heavy. So see the show notes for the complete list of songs and that link to the playlist. Again, uh, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, tell a friend. Leave us a a rating on iTunes. And our website is www.heavy.ca. You can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at theheavypod and all those. Our show is edited by Ian Sutherland. Andrew does all the research. Our brother Rob designed our logo. Our theme song, Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. I'm your host, Don Sutherland. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in two weeks. Later.